This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Happy my, happy Tuesday. Gee whiz. Happy Tuesday. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique alvarez Clary are with you today. Hello, Rico. Hello. How's it going? It's going amazing. I like that sweatshirt, man. Thank you. I haven't worn it in a while. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. like two Christmases ago. When, first, when I, when I rolled up this morning about 8.50... I saw it over through the door while you were, you know, board hopping old school. And I was like, oh, Rico's got one of those uh, military sweaters uh, or sweatshirts on. They, they're super cool. It's real nice. Is that like one of it. them that they wear on the, the sideline? Or? Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Shout out to Rachel. Um, for She's amazing. That. Also, uh, before we get too far into it, I need to shout out my mother. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. So uh, shout out to her. Um, I know she she listens at the start of the show, so happy birthday. Happy um, birthday, Mama Sainer. Apparently, you're a saint. At least that's what I've been told, so I'm just going to go with it. That is, yep. Yeah. Rico doesn't ask questions, and for the right reasons. <laughs> As always, 402-464-5685, Honda of Lincoln Hotline, Sutter Heyman Text Line, both those open for you uh, all hour long. I want to get into a deep deeper conversation with the offensive line because last night, the college football playoff, first of all, we'll, we'll give our thoughts on – how excited we were that Alabama lost and and Georgia won and Thank we'll kind of talk about that briefly but for but last night really you could tell that Georgia was in that game because of the line play on each side and they've really built their their defense around that defensive line mainly not mainly a big guy both physically and figuratively is Jordan Davis right was he six six three plus three hundred plus oh. 300 plus by by about 70 pounds, and he's I think. athletic as all get out well and, and that's the thing is George's defense was so fast and, and so is Alabama's but the way that um Nolan Smith tracked down Bryce Young on that two-point conversion attempt or two-point attempt for Alabama mm-hmm. after they took the lead and that's a defensive end moving yeah. that quick and like I get that they're five stars and I understand I'm not going to necessarily directly correlate um, Nebraska and Georgia. I don't want to do that because I, will. I I understand that those are five stars, right? But I do want to talk about um, how important line play is. And I know a lot of the texters. So I hope I hope this generates a good reaction on the text line, and and maybe we'll even get a couple calls about it. But I know a lot of people that are listening are in that boat of Nebraska is not going to improve the way we want them to unless they boost the offensive line you also heard Adam Carricker say it earlier today on on when he was on with VG VJ and uh DP (laughs) yeah that that's a that's a tongue twister there wow anyway you you heard it you need to you need to boost those those trenches for Nebraska and Hale Varsity actually wrote an article about it the other day um kind of grading the the offensive line specifically and, and they gave him a four out of ten for this last season and if you think back to what 
the season looked like with Nebraska. Rico, I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but we were doing our first pregame show. Oh, no, show. You, don't, you could throw me under the bus. Go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I know I know you will You will have no problem owning up to it because you've done it before. I made but a terrible we, mistake. We, but it wasn't just you. Like, that when we asked our predictions, you know, what's the strongest group going to be, you know, what's the most impressive group that's going to take the biggest step this season heading into that game against Illinois, we were all on the same page that this offensive line was going to be improved. Mm-hmm. And it there it's safe to say that this offensive line was not improved necessarily, but it very well either stayed the same or even regressed. I believe that it may have regressed. I mean, at the beginning of the season, you had a a, a, a third-year starter at center. You had a second-year starter at right tackle. Mm-hmm. You had a left tackle who made a really good impression in a full game, mind you, in, in an entire game uh, against Rutgers to end the season as a true freshman in Turner Corcoran. Your right guard was, was still a concern, uh, and your left guard – who did they start this? I know they ended with Nerd and Nueli. I don't know who I don't remember who they started the season with at left guard, but I believe that wh- whoever it was had played some games already at left guard. Sichterman ended up starting at right guard, um, but he he hadn't really seen the field for any extended amount of time before that. But you 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 had this belief that the offensive line was going to take a step forward with at least a third year starting center and a and a second year right tackle, and unfortunately. What ended up happening is the center looked pretty solid for most of the games. Mm-hmm. The right tackle was kind of a liability. I, I hate to I hate to throw you know singular players under the bus, but the the right side of the offensive line was was kind of a struggle. As was the left side uh, up until you know you made one change, well two changes really uh, to to move the left tackle to right tackle and switch out the guard, and it looked pretty good for a single game. Yeah. And then your left tackle got hurt. You had to move the tackles back around, and you you kind of went back to to struggling to contain the pass rushers from getting into the backfield and and wreaking havoc. So, I was kind of going through the numbers and looking at CFBStats.com, um, which may be one of my favorite sites of all time. I'm just gonna say it is. Go ahead. You 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 really love that site. You're I always do. Always on there. I am always on there. But I was kind of looking at. Georgia's numbers I was looking at Alabama's numbers the statistics right the numbers that you can point to and say all right why how has Georgia found themselves in the national championship game right and how has their defense what has attributed their defense to um, only allowing nine points per game on average and allowing less than 200 yards passing a game on average and and like there it's it's obviously like I said a couple minutes ago if you're just now joining us there's five stars I, I get that but there's been all that talk about finding um, strengths and developing guys once they get to campus, despite their recruiting ranking, mm-hmm. because Nebraska has been is very much in that boat of oh this guy has a lot of upside. That's a lo- that's a word that we hear every off season. It's upside. This guy has a lot of potential, but and not in, not even necessarily under this uh, current staff, but even prior staffs. It's this guy has potential, and then they just don't pan out. And I understand, once again, that there are busts, and I understand there are guys that have off-the-field issues that don't even, you know, don't have a correlation with on-the-field stuff. But let me let me ask this question, 402-464-5685. And, Rico, I want your answer here specifically. All right. Does Georgia make it to the national championship 
if they allow 4.16 yards per carry instead of 2.1? Um, the scoring average probably goes up. Mm-hmm. Probably not. I don't I don't think they do because the way that this defense is is kind of set up is they're going to hold you in the running game. They're not going to allow you to run, so you're going to have to pass, and that's when they'll take chances, turn you over, and then they put on the spiky pads on the sidelines, and, mm-hmm. the, and they get the, the turnover belt that they have. So it's it really the way that they've built their defense is from the inside out, which is, I think, probably how you should build your defense. From the inside out, you start on the defensive line, you go to the linebackers, and then you go to the secondary because if you can generate pressure on a quarterback, if you can stop the run and then generate pressure on a quarterback and force them to to make errant passes because they can't set their feet or they, they have to go through the reads a little bit quicker, you know, it doesn't matter if you – I mean, it helps because they do, but it doesn't matter if you have – you know, five star, the best corner safety in the nation back there. If you've got mm-hmm. uh, a couple guys who know the game of football and are pretty solid, uh, they're not going to have to cover for very long, and they're just going to be able to make plays back there. Because if you have a strong, stout defensive line like Georgia does, you're you're sitting pretty no matter what an offense decides to do. And, and the reason that I put that four point one six yards per carry number up there is because that's Nebraska's. That was Nebraska's and. And here's what I'll say, and, and I know we're getting this on the text line in between some of the thoughts on the offensive line. Yes, Nebraska did have a running back commit. We're planning to talk about it at the back half of this segment, so mm-hmm. I was not expecting this offensive line discussion to go the whole segment. I wasn't going to try to make it because, like they point out, it is, a, it is a pre-cooked topic. So I understand that we also talked about the running back room a little bit yesterday in our show, so I didn't want to try to go and stretch a whole segment with that. So we will definitely get to DeAndre um, DeAndre Jackson here in a moment, but for for the time being here. So last night just kind of shows how important it is to build your program starting in the trenches, and even at the SEC level, which is the highest level of football, it's important to it's the skill positions. They'll come, they'll come and go, mm-hmm. but you need to build something strong from from the trenches, from the lines, right? So I, I want to look. Um, I guess if you're setting your sights with that thought in mind that Georgia got there from strong trench play, obviously it helps having James Cook. Obviously it helps having George Pickens. And if you're Alabama, you know, Mechie and and Jamison Williams are huge and Brian Robinson and Bryce Young. All all that is – and Kool-Aid McKinstry in the secondary, right, who got torched a couple times last night. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to be a starter. Yeah, all that's important. I I get that. But when we're specifically talking about the line play – if you're Nebraska and you're just setting your sights next year or any of these years on a bowl game, just a bowl game, why would you not do something that has turned up success at other programs in terms of a national championship? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If if doing other or if other programs are doing things such as simple as building an offensive line or focusing a ton of time into building the trenches, building the lines. And that gets them that definitely is a big reason of why they've made the national title game. And I understand that's at the top of the spectrum. That's at the top of the line, the national title game. But if you're setting your sights only on a bowl game, why don't you have that standard? Why why not move the standard up even more and say we expect excellence mm-hmm. instead of just a bowl game. So and here's going through the numbers once again. This article 
they, Nebraska, let's let's look at their offensive line a little bit. And 402-464-5685. So Nebraska loses Matt Sichterman and Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens, I believe, is going to be a little bit bigger of a loss than people think right now. And then Sichterman began the season as a starter. Tons of time in the program. But Rico, I want to name these guys off, and these are I'm going to tell you how many how long they've been in the program. All right, hit me. New Elite, third year. Turner Corcoran going into his third year. Mm-hmm. Bryce Benhart going into his fourth year. Prohaska second year. Piper going into his fourth year. Brant Banks going into his fourth year. Brock Bando going into his sixth year. Trent Hickson going into his sixth year. Michael Lynn from Colorado going in from it to his fourth year. Alex Kahn third year. Henry Latovsky going into his second year, and then the walk-on Ezra Miller going into his third year. They bring in three guys, Kevin Williams from Northern Colorado, Mm -hmm. Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma State, and then Justin Evans-Jenkins. But we just mentioned developing guys across that offensive line, Rico. Ten guys have been in the offensive line program for at least two years. Two full seasons. That would make you think that the offensive line should be a strength. That they're just waiting for their time. Right? That's what that's what you would and, think. And you would think, especially with offensive line, that the longer you're in the program, the bigger, the stronger you get, because that's a that's very important on an offensive line. And the more you're able to to work with the guys to your left and to your right, uh, on communicating which is, again, something very, very important for an offensive line, communicating who you're going to block, who this person picks up. If they do this, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. So you would you would think the longer you're in a program, the more experience you are getting, maybe not in a game, but in practice, communicating, talking, getting bigger and stronger, and being ready for when your number is called. And, and here's the thing. Here's a little more of a glaring stat. If you add in Sichterman and Jurgens, that makes that number 12. But now they're gone. Mm-hmm. So next year, also, I guess to to fuel the fire, fire. you added your you put in Teddy Prohaska in the fifth game of the season against Northwestern. Finally, right? Took you a couple games to took the staff fi- a couple games to find the the right um, combination, which was the Prohaska, Newili, Jurgens, Sichterman, and Corcoran. Well, I don't blame them for the Prohaska thing because he's he had to, he's young. He he is a very tall offensive lineman, mm-hmm. so he had probably had to learn to get a little bit lower, and he had to get bigger and stronger before they were going to throw him in there to the Sharks of, of college football. And then you know the fifth game comes along, they're feeling you know probably a little skeptical about the offensive line they have, and they're feeling better about the weight and the strength that Prohaska had put on. They put him in the game, and he plays really solid against Northwestern. And I also understand and take into account the idea that a lot of high school offensive linemen have to develop, have to learn how to adjust to the college game because they're going up up against other D1 quality guys where in high school there's a very good chance that they literally just stayed in an athletic stance and demolished a dude, pancaked a guy Mm -hmm. because that's just just what it is. That's That's the reality of it. And so I get that. But... When you talk about swinging and missing over and over and year after year, I mean, think about a guy like Bryce Benhart. Came in as a quote-unquote high four-star. Highly lauded. Yeah. We got him, I think Nebraska got him out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin over Wisconsin. Over Wisconsin, over other Big Ten teams that have established and have a track record of strong offensive line play. 
he came to Nebraska, and part of that, give credit to Greg Austin for doing that for the recruiting. Like, that was a that was like, a recruiting win. Yeah, huge one, and one guy that just hasn't panned out. And then you have these other guys that are sixth year in the program that you're getting back again. Hickson, who was talked about last year, Brock Bando, former Lincoln guy, went to IMG Academy for a couple year or for a year or so. Michael Lynn was a guy out of Colorado that the staff said they felt good about. Alex mm-hmm. Kahn, a guy from, I think, Kansas. Henry Latovsky, you hear good things about Henry Latovsky, but once again, he's young. And and here's the thing is a lot of the time when you talk about developing a program and, and evolving your program along and in year five, you shouldn't have to expect three out of your five offensive linemen to be able to come in as true freshmen and play. No. You shouldn't you, expect that. You can't lean on that idea every single year. That, that offensive line is a very complicated spot for a true freshman to come in and play right away. You you see very few of them because coming out of high school, there are very few guys who are big enough, strong enough, and ready enough to take on you know uh, a third-year starter at, at Ohio State at defensive end. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to see many high school seniors going up to college as a, as a true freshman and being able to slow down a uh, a a Aiden Hutchinson. That's not going to happen very often. You've got to get older guys who know the system to get in there to do that. And so I want to continue talking about this as we go along. Four zero two four six four five six eight five. Kirk from Georgia hits it right on the head. When you have the stronger lines, a walk on quarterback can beat a Heisman quarterback. Bingo. Hey, he's not a walk-on anymore. He's on scholarship. Yeah. He walked on the first time. He, he's a guy that has a flip phone that was a former walk-on. Yeah. Josh says this, hey, guys, who is this year's starting center going to be Hickson? You That's have to lean that question. way. You have to lean that way because that was the guy that was kind of number two behind um, Tur- or, excuse me, Cam Jurgens. But here's the thing also. You wonder about experience. Trent Hickson's in his sixth year. Hasn't found a lot of time last season. I think we're done with the experience. I think we're done with the experience talk because none of yeah. anybody, anybody, everybody. who is going to play for Nebraska this year, well, not anybody, but a lot of the people who are going to play for Nebraska this year don't have experience or have very little experience. A lot of these guys have not played a collegiate snap that are going to get probably some meaningful snaps for the Cornhuskers this year. So the experience talk, I think I'm going to throw it out the window. I think I'm done with it. Well, and here's the thing. We get this off the text line, and this could be true. My money is on Piper moving from guard to center. You would like to think so, but remember, going into this season, the staff talks so highly of Ethan Piper and, and the media. I'll, I'll put that in there because I thought Ethan Piper was, was poised for a big season. And then he got he gets benched and and rightfully so. He wasn't playing up to that supposed standard of whatever they hold the Nebraska offensive lineman to. It's it's really really interesting and when you we talk about it and we kind of brush it off for a moment because we we touch it briefly saying, oh yeah, you know as long as Casey Thompson doesn't have to play Superman every year or every play, then we should, Nebraska there's there's some encouragement around Nebraska. But you know. We'll see what the offensive line we'll looks like. see what happens because when you look deeper, Nebraska ranked, I think, 80th in the country in terms of sacks allowed. Got about a minute and a half left here. Let's touch on this DeAndre Jackson um, commitment. 
He is 5'11", a little over 215 pounds is what it looks like. It's a big boy. Um, spent some time at Texas A&M last year. He only played in four games, so he still preserved the red shirt. So that means that um, he will have four years of eligibility for Nebraska. Um, I, I believe when I was looking at his stats last night, when it really started to heat up around DeAndre Jackson, he only had one carry um, against in, New Mexico State. In the two years he was at Texas A&M, he had three carries for 13 yards. Thank you. And so this last season, specifically, I think one carry for negative two yards. So not a huge sample size to go off if you're Nebraska, but I, th- I believe Nebraska did recruit him out of high school. In an, in an interview here I'm looking at with uh, Rivals, he says that they recruited him. Uh, he was Nebraska was the first school that contacted him when he entered the portal. Um, he says, quote, uh, they were they told me they were looking for a big time running back right now. That's what I'm trying to do, and I have a chance to go in and make an impact right away. That was big for me, and I want to help them back to where they want to be. End quote. So when you look at Nebraska, we got about 15 seconds here before we get to Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. But when you look at Nebraska, there's a lot of bodies in that room, and um, when you know there's a lot of bodies, and we talked about it yesterday a little bit. We a guy is yet to take the job. So we'll see what happens. Let's talk to Jacob Padilla next on the Happy Hour. Download our app by searching 93.7 a ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the Happy Hour is next on 93.7 the ticket and theticketfm.com.